Welcome to the Burley Brew All Things Egg podcast. In this podcast, Tyler Kralichek, the Burley County Extension Agriculture and Natural Resource Agent, and Kelsey Deckert, the Burley County and Morin County Extension Horticulture Agent, discuss current agricultural topics. Topics range from livestock, crops, weed management, farming and ranching, to gardens, lawns, trees, and landscapes. We hope to enrich your life by bringing you the timely, science-based information to apply in your practices. Good morning, Tyler. We're in the month of September here. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you doing this morning, Kelsey? Good. When you think of September, what do you think of? I think uh, we we need some moisture is really the kind of the over <laughs> overarching <laughs> issue that we're dealing with right now. Um, I am excited. Uh, you know, a lot of grains gotten put in the uh, in the bin, and you know, especially compared to last year, it looks uh, extremely good. As long as we didn't have some ergot, I know there was a few issues that way on the farm side, but uh, for the most part, it uh, you know we're finishing up the year, and it's it's definitely in a good spot compared to where we've seen it in years past. How about you? Uh, when I think of September, I think fall is right around the corner knocking. I think parents have lower blood pressure now that <laughs> kids are back into school. They're a little stress, less stressed out. Um, yeah, I think the big thing is, is we start to see some changes in our season, changes in our temperature. And with that, I'm, I'm just going to talk about some subjects here that we talk about in fall. And so Really, August is a huge month that we have gardeners really starting to reap um, their harvest in the garden and stuff. But September, they are actively harvesting it as well. And especially some of those who've put in some cooler season crops to, you know, get some extra lettuce or spinach um, in. But with that, we also start worrying about frost. And so frost gets us in panic mode about, well, are we going to be able to get, you know, everything off the vine in time? And so this time of year, as we see some of our longer growing day um, crops that we have, melons is always a question I get on when to, when to kind of harvest them. And so just in general, everyone knows that growing melons can be a challenge here in North Dakota but I think nothing beats being successful, especially if you can have a watermelon um, to take home and put it on the table and enjoy. Sure. So, Kelsey, what are we looking for? I mean, obviously, you've got watermelons, cantaloupes, some other different types of fruit that we're fortunate enough to grow up here in North Dakota. But how can you tell that it's actually ready to harvest? Yeah, this is the exact question that I get, whether it's a cantaloupe or a watermelon. As far as watermelons, you're gonna know that they are ripe when the tendril, so that is part of the plant, um, right next to the fruit dries up. It's kind of that little curly vine right next to it. It'll dry up. The rind of a watermelon is gonna start to be faded in its appearance, not that glossy color anymore, glossiness, shininess on it. Um, A mature melon is also gonna feel heavy And then the spot on the underside of the fruit will be white or yellow so that you always like people get the misconception of that white or yellowish spot to indicate ripeness and stuff, which it does. 
but they think that's the telltale sign. And actually the biggest reason we see it as a white or yellowish color is because that watermelon, that's the side that was laying next to the ground. But yes, when we start to see that turn a white or yellowish in color, that is gonna be indicative of it being ripe. Cantaloupe's a little bit different. Um, it's gonna be ripe when the fruit itself will slip off with a gentle tug. So basically you would go next to it, do a nice little gentle tug, the entire stem will just break off. Cantaloupe, just like you would envision it or how you see it in the store, the rind's gonna be again, yellowish in color too. So gotcha. easy so two is, tips on that. Go ahead, does, Tyler. Does watermelon do the same thing? You give it a little tug or? Nope, it'll come uh, on off? this, right. Not on this one. This one, like I said, watermelon, the indicator is that tendril is gonna be dried up next to it. So that's kind of just a couple tips about harvesting melons. Um, moving into another thing that I always get questions about this time of year is fall needle drop. We get worried as homeowners, you know, we put a lot of time and effort into growing trees and trees can be expensive. And so people get concerned when their evergreen trees turn color and everything like that. In general, that's just in general. And so a lot of times, like we have these discussions of, when it really is appropriate to be alarmed um, if they do turn color and lose some of their needle. This time of year, what's going to be showing is going to be yellowing and browning of the needles and then dropping off their inner needles. And so this is something that is normal. It's a natural process that our evergreens go through. And people just need to realize like needles don't last forever on a tree and new growth which is going to be needles on an evergreen are going to be added every year to it. So I like to tell people as your tree matures and ages and stuff, we really want to focus on the new growth and how that looks. There are times that yes, like if we're seeing it, you know, like newer growth within that second year growth, third year growth, that isn't very close to the trunk. If we start to see that brown and drop off, we do need to be a little bit alarmed by that and probably contact your local county extension agent to further look into that if something else is going on with that. Sure. So, you know, you talk about year two, year three. Well, I mean, how long do the needles actually last on specifically your spruce and pine trees? Because I know that's been a kind of the main um, issue you've been dealing with, right? Right, right. So spruce tree needles usually live longer than pine needles on a on a tree and they can actually persist on a tree up to 10 years. So there's no like, Hey, you're going to have needles there for 10 years. It's just, they may last up to 10 years. There's a lot of factors that play into it. You know, when we've had environmental stress, like we've had the last two and a half years really going on here that will affect it. And again, it's okay for them to drop that and not put energy into them anymore. We want to put energy into that new growth, but yeah, you know, like if you're seeing, you know, within the last three years, I would say, looking at last three years of growth and you're starting to see that drop off, that could be concerning. If we're getting to four or five years plus, not too much to worry about. The other thing too that we see that basically will cause needle drop and stuff is when you have them in like a shelter belt, even if they're not in a shelter belt, there's so much shade and density in the inner part of the tree by the trunk that they just don't get enough airflow and sunlight that again, will drop them off. So let's not get too concerned this time of year. If they're starting to yellow and brown, all of a sudden you feel like, man, I, I just really noticed this tree. 
most likely it's going to be fall needle drop. If it is something you are concerned about, contact your local county extension agent. Yeah, Kelsey, with those ones that fall off, I mean, do we just let them go as long as it seems like it's normal or should we try right. and clean them up, you think? <laughs> Yeah, you know, some people, it depends on what you're, what you're doing. Some people mow under their trees and stuff if they have any grass or they mow around it. And so they'll, they'll get them out of there. If is as long as it's a healthy needle and you didn't have like a disease or fungus within there, you can, you can leave them. You can leave them. Okay. So no big deal. Okay. The other big thing about the month of September is September is kind of dubbed the month of fall lawn care. It's actually kind of the best month of our whole year to do fall lawn care. So that's a great thing. And that's another thing I think of when I think of the month of September. Let's get into our our yards. What are some things that you can let us know to get started with our lawn? You know, since it's the ideal time, what are we going to look for? So just in general, some tips for our our lawn care this time of year is really Um, Starting mid-August, so around August 15th to September 15th, is going to be a great time to sow lawn seeds. So if you have bare spots, if you are, you know, got an area that you're establishing lawn, great time to do that. Fertilizing your lawn. So you have a nice lawn, you've had a nice lawn all summer, or maybe your lawn's done okay and you go, gosh, what can I do for next year? Fertilizing your lawn in the fall is going to be great. You're going to end up reaping the benefits of a thicker lawn stronger root system and a quicker green up next spring. I mean, granted, hopefully we don't get some sort of late blizzard like we did this year, but yep. fertilizing this month, I guess, is going to be really good too. What what type of fertilizer are we going to use, Kelsey? Because I know there's all kinds of different numbers between your MPK. Right. So, I mean, it depends on, it's going to be situational. You know, everybody, everybody's going to be different. Some people actually, you know, will use a lawn care service and, and everything like that. For this time of year, in, and in general, if you're just kind of like, hey, you know what, I want to give a little boost or I want to give a little extra food to my lawn, something general like a 10-10-10 is going to be perfect. Like we're not going to look at doing a huge boost of like nitrogen this time of year. So it depends. Like, I mean, if it's something where you've had it soil tested and you know that you have lower nitrogen or phosphorus or potassium specifically, then of course you're gonna you're gonna go according to those recommendations. You talked about growing and fertilizing and reseeding. What about uh, those darn weeds? Do you do, yeah. uh, is it is now a good time for that or? Yeah. Yep. Now is actually the best time to spray for weeds too. So why is it the best time to spray for weeds? Well, as our lawns and weeds plan to and prepare to go dormant, they actually absorb that chemical. Um, better resulting in a more effective kill in the fall. Um, I know a lot of weeds people have been dealing with this year is like the prostrate spurge, common purslane, some of those like really creeping matting um, weeds have been an issue. But yeah, this time of year, also, you know, like we we said with fertilizing and stuff too, and, and sowing lawn, what makes it a great month for fall lawn care is we have cooler temperatures you are going to have less competition from weeds. And if you do sow this time of year, sow some seed, your temperatures are already warmed up, your soil temperatures. People always want to know too about mowing your lawn, right? So we want to mow the lawn after it has stopped growing. Um, And that is going to be to be less attractive to the pests. If you've had issues with a lot of insects or voles in the past, 
you will want to cut it probably a little bit shorter. But again, we don't need to be scraping the ground when we're mowing our lawn. So, so how, how tall are we looking at that three inches or I mean, minimum like two and a half, one and a half. Right. You know, Tyler, like I said, if it's something that you've had concerns about insects or rodents, um, if you drop it down, like, like in general, we would say we want to mow our lawn around the three and a half to four inches. But if you've had some issues in the past, yeah, drop it down to, you know, closer to three, two and a half. Um, I would not go lower than two and a half at this time of year. Um, But if you haven't had any issues, you just mow your lawn like you normally do. No need to go any uh, shorter in that aspect. So those were kind of the three things that I wanted to cover for the month of September. You know, again, just kind of when to harvest those melons, talk about the fall needle drop that we see. One thing to add with fall needle, fall needle drop, it does always look more extreme with a pine tree versus a spruce. And then talking about some of these fall lawn care tips. So over on the egg, agriculture and natural resource side of things, what do we got going on September? What are, what are your topics we want to get started with? So we're uh, trying to make the mad rush of getting everything out of the field. Um, obviously, timing is pretty critical, and that's going to cover the two topics I'm going to talk about today with uh, safety and silage. But uh, the biggest thing right now is is uh, getting the crop out of the field and harvested. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that uh, go into that aspect, and it's not just making sure your moisture content in your grain is right. Uh, you also got to make sure there's the logistics side of things where you've got the right amount of harvest equipment going to the right field at the right time. Okay. So as far as putting up silage and stuff, when is like the correct time to put up silage? So for silage, it's going to be pretty consistent. Uh, you're usually looking for your moisture content to be kind of right in that 65 to 70%. And that's especially if you're putting them into bunkers, which usually that's what most people around here have in those um, basically you know, dugout areas where they can form a pile. Um, there are some people who still have uh, in siling, but it's not quite as... Uh, you know, popular with those tall um, erect silos. But uh, at any rate, you know, 65 to 70, you can get it down a little bit uh, lower. The thing is, you know, you can run into some issues to where your anabolic or your uh, fermentation process isn't going to be as good. Um, And in that case, that is where, um, you know, they have some different products out there on the market. You know, looking at the rain situation we're in right now, um, you know, borderline drought or getting closer to that, um, you know, the corn's been starting to shrivel up, probably time to get it out of the field just to make sure that, you know, we can uh, capture as many nutrients as possible. So, um, you know, getting different types of um, inoculants might be something that you need to utilize uh, just to make sure that you can get that fermentation process exactly where you want. Um, now, in the event, uh, you know, say we get a, a decent amount of moisture and all of a sudden things green up and uh, you're getting ready to harvest because your uh, your chopper's there and you're above 70%. You know, can that be a huge issue? It, it can, because what, what that ends up happening is if you end up taking that silage above 70%, um, you can get an increase in uh, butyric acid, which that's going to limit the amount of intake that the animal um, can, can ingest. Um, and also it, it decreases your, your feed efficiency. Plus, um, you know, if you take it way too high, you know, over that 70%, you can run into issues with some of that uh, 
water seeping out of there and then you're losing some nutrients. So that's, that's a huge thing. So make sure that you're looking for 60 to 70% in terms of where your moisture is for that corn. And also, um, you know, if by chance you're fortunate enough, you know, to where your corn didn't dry up too much with this drought type conditions we're, we're getting into, um, you know, make sure that that corn's well dented. Um, and hopefully before those bottom leaves start to brown out and dry. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, kind of people put them in bunkers and everything like that. Do you have any techniques for our listeners out there to preserve or cover the silage? Sure. So obviously you're going to be packing as that stuff goes into the pile. So that's going to be huge. You know, if you can try and do something um, to where you've only got about six inches um, of a layer every time, and then make sure it's packed really good before you put more silage on, that'll also help out with that fermentation process. Because as long as you can pack it in as tight as possible, and you're essentially taking out all that air, making that anaerobic uh, type activity with that bacteria that's going to be in that silage, um, that's going to be vital to making sure that, uh, you know, it, it goes through that correct fermentation process. So, um, you know, making sure it's packed, you know, you can use, uh, tractors with, with, uh, tracks that works. However, they do have some different, uh, science out there that shows tired or, uh, you know, tires, your traditional tires are actually going to pack a little bit better just based on the amount of pressure that they can put, um, so just making sure you pack it right. The other thing is too, once you've got it all packed, um, you know, and, you know, say whether it be at the end of the day, everything's in, everything's packed, or it's, you know, a day or two later, um, you got to try and cover it because the biggest thing you're going to run into is you're going to have some spoilage at the very top of the pile, um, just for the sake of, you know, sunlight exposure, if there's any kind of elements, whether it be rain, snow, those types of things. So what a lot of people will do is you can put it in plastic. And that's been the most common method that a lot of people use. Um, and it works. The thing is, you can see uh, spoilage to where that top up to 16 inches um, will essentially be not necessarily worthless, but, uh, you know, it's not going to contain those nutrients. It's not going to go through that fermentation process the correct way. Um, so you might have a little bit of spoilage on top. So obviously, when you're doing your rations, hopefully you've got a analysis on that, uh, that silage that you have, um, you know, it, you got to take that into consideration when you're mixing it into, uh, your, your ration that you're giving to cows, whatever you're feeding. So one other thing that, uh, some producers have done and it's, um, you know, shown some good results. There's not a ton of research on it, um, is actually taking loose salt and putting that on the top. And, uh, you know, the, the piles that I've seen that have this have a little less spoilage than say the plastic wood. Um, it's a little bit easier, uh, to deal with. So essentially you're just sprinkling a, an adequate amount of, uh, of salt over the top of the pile. Um, and what it does is it ends up crusting over top and then it, uh, forms a airtight barrier over top of your silage. And as you go along, um, you know, that, that salt just mixes in with your, uh, your silage as you're going. And it, uh, you know, is another possible option for you if, uh, you don't want to go with the plastic route. Okay. So talking about, you know, harvesting and everything like that, and you mentioned earlier safety, right? So a lot of <laughs> moving parts out there in the fields and stuff. What are, what are the primary concerns this time of year? You know, uh, obviously we talked about making sure that it's, it's getting out of the field, which is huge. I know yesterday I was out uh, doing some crop scouting, looking at things and, uh, you know, past one of the custom combine groups and there was four combines and four grain carts. And I mean, it was definitely quite the caravan, 
caravan. Um, and you know, those were, were on the highway. So, you know, at least they had, uh, you know, on trailers and they had the correct, uh, equipment that you need to get from point A to point B. Now, the thing is, you know, if you're going to be on those gravel roads or heck, even on, uh, your highways, you know, sometimes people are going to not just have them on trailers. They're just going to be moving that implement. So one thing to consider is, you know, those implements, they, they can't go 65. Um, you know, and a lot of them are going to have that triangle, uh, slow moving vehicle sign on the back of it. That's a good indicator that, uh, you know, it's going to be going under 25 miles an hour. So make sure that you correct your speed accordingly. The other thing is too, and I know, uh, making sure that you're paying attention. There've still been quite a few, uh, farm accidents from people that are, you know, on the roads, uh, you know, looking at their phone, that kind of thing. So it's, you know, extremely important this time of year. Um, you know, one person's going 55 in front of you, it's a lot quicker and easier to catch them versus that combine you might meet at the top of the hill, whether they're just the combine itself, or especially if they've got a header that's, you know, sticking out, you know, 40 plus feet. Yeah. So be respectful on the road. <laughs> Absolutely. And yes, if you're coming to the top of a hill, make sure you move into the side and slow down a little bit, especially if it's a gravel road and you know that there's some crops coming off in the area. Right. Exactly. Okay, great. Um, what about what about like grain bins this time of year? Um, you know, when we start putting grain bins in, how about or putting grain in the bin? Excuse me. What, what kind of safety concerns we got with, with grain bins? Sure. So, you know, grain bin safety is probably one of the more um, risky areas you run into. Obviously, it can be extremely safe if you've got all the uh, correct uh, pieces that you need. So one of the things that uh, obviously is huge is that auger. Um, you know, you've got uh, that PTO driven or even if it's just a motor driven, uh, regardless, you've got some very fast moving things with that auger um, going in place. So make sure that you've got all your shields over the top of all the different components in that auger. Make sure that uh, you're wearing clothing that uh, is fairly tight fitting. Now, I'm not saying that uh, skinny jeans are the answer. I'm definitely not a skinny jean guy, but uh, <laughs> you know, probably a good thing to have in the skinny jeans versus the you know the holy pants if you're going to be working around an auger. But at any rate, um, making sure that you are very careful with your hand placement. You know, they they do have a bunch of different things that you can utilize. You know, between shovels and that, if if something does get stuck, um, you know, rather than just reaching your hand in there, shut the the engine off and then you know if it's plugged up unlodge whatever is uh plugging at that implement or that auger um and then then you can go to uh, turning that thing on in terms of the grain bin itself um you know with where we're at with our conditions there shouldn't be a whole lot of wet grain i wouldn't anticipate this year um and you know a lot of times that's where a lot of people have issues when they actually are in the grain bin to where um you know that grain's going to get a little bit higher moisture it sticks together a little bit and when you're trying to get it loaded back up onto the truck to uh satisfy whatever your grain contract is you know if it sticks it sticks to the side of the bin you know, there's a couple different options. Number one, you can get in the bin. Um, if you are going to do that, um, make sure that you've got a harness that's tied off to where if in the event, you know, you're sanding on a spot and it breaks loose, you don't end up going in there because it's, you know, up to your knees, you've got almost 2000 pounds of pressure. And especially if you keep going higher than that, you can really run into some issues to where you aren't even going to be able to get yourself out of there, much less, you know, if you've got a spotter or somebody to help you have them lift you out. And so then you can be in a, in a bad situation and in a heck of a hurry. So making sure that if you can have two people working on um, getting grain out of a bin is going to be essential just to make sure you've got that communication. If something happens in the bin so that way the person could shut off the auger is going to help. Um, and also if by chance an emergency would happen, you know, that person who's in the bin all of a sudden has an issue that other person could call 911 
get the ambulance out there and you can hopefully, um, you know, save that individual who might've had an issue within the bin. Yeah. So many things that can go wrong in such a short amount of time. Absolutely. Um, anything else that you have, Tyler, as far as farm safety or harvesting tips? No, you know, that kind of covers the major stuff. The biggest thing is obviously just being cognizant of, uh, what's around you. And, uh, you know, it's that time of year again, you know, the farmers want to make sure they go home to their families, no different than you. So let's, uh, let's be kind and courteous and make sure that we're, uh, we're all being safe for, for everyone's sake. Yeah. You know, the one thing I just, I, I want to add, because I think it's important too to say out there, but you mentioned like, if you're out on gravel roads and you know, there's crops nearby and stuff, but it, it does actually go to a crossover that we have a lot of, we have a lot of farmers that farm from further away. So they can be on, <laughs> you know, our, our highways, our interstates and, and everything like that. So, uh, remember that don't always have such <laughs> the mad rat race, uh, yep. that we got going on in this world and stuff all the time, but yeah, absolutely. Those are, those are great tips and topics I think for today. Um, if we don't have anything else to add, I don't, I think we'll go ahead and we thank our listeners for, join us again this month and we hope that you will join us next month. Thanks everybody. We thank you for tuning in on this episode of the Burley Brew, all things ag. We hope you will listen in on future episodes. If you have any questions or would like more information, feel free to contact the Burley County Extension Office at 701-221-6865.